Welcome to the Skull Splitter Dice Podcast, a podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons. Visit us at SkullsplitterDice.com for the best D&D dice in the realms. Enjoy the episode. Hey there, everyone. I'm Patrick Ferguson with Skull Splitter Dice here with another 5e guide, and today we're going to be talking about the deities of D&D 5e. I think we've all rolled up a cleric at one time or another and just picked a god that best represented the domain that we wanted, and there's no shame in that. But gods in D&D have a history and iconography and a lore that is so easy to build an entire persona around. And deities come in all shapes and sizes and temperaments, of course, and they build off of a history that starts all the way back at the beginning of D&D itself. Let's start with the Forgotten Realm Pantheon. With the prevalence of homebrew pantheons and all the numerous worlds you might end up in, this list is by no means comprehensive, but instead in this video we're going to give you some rapid-fire information on all the current Forgotten Realms deities. The pantheon has shifted from edition to edition after all, so let's waste no more time and get into it, and I'm sorry if I pronounce any of these wrong, please don't hate me. If you feel the need to correct me, please let me know down in the comments. Starting off with Arl, the goddess of winter, she is all about human sacrifices on icy altars, pretty much exclusively for ice-themed and evil characters specifically. Next up is Azuth, the god of wizards, and this is pretty much as stereotypical as D&D deities will get. This is for anyone that just loves wizarding. Next up is Bane, the god of tyranny, and this one is pretty much as stereotypically evil as you can get. Think black knights and evil churches, because that's pretty much all you'll get here. Next up is Beshaba, the goddess of misfortune, and you should really think of her as Jinx from Teen Titans elevated into godhood. She loves assassins and she loves bad luck. Next up is Baal, the god of murder. If you really need this one explained to you, this is the blood for blood god. Murder for murder god. Blood just loves... Baal just loves killing. Next up is Shantae, the goddess of agriculture. She's cornucopious and just loves herself a good harvest. Any former farmer character would probably play this, and I only say former because I don't imagine many players continue to farm after their adventure has taken place. Next up is Siric, the god of lies. This is a mad god that has successfully pissed off just about everybody in every single plane. So if you're going to pick this one, just be ready for everybody to hate you. Next up is Denir, the god of writing, and he is pretty much just a more meek version of his brother, Ogma. This is good for any sort of, let's say, nerdy underdog character. Next up is Eldath, the goddess of peace, and she's perfect for any healer or druid character, as she is a pacifist late god of healing. Next up is Gond, the god of craft, and if your character is all about making stuff and crafting things, this would probably be the god for you. Next up is Helm, the god of protection. <laughs> Name's a little on the nose there. But this god is a knight that loves protecting the weak, especially children. So if you're playing a really noble character that aligns with these type of views, this might be the god for you to pick. Next up is Ilmater, the god of endurance. And this martyr god is all about preserving for a better future. So this is a good pick for any sort of selfless paladin character. Next up is Kalemvor, the god of death, and don't let the scary name fool you. This god is somber, but not necessarily evil. He is a dutiful guard of the dead, and is an absolute bastion against undeath. Next up is Lathander, the god of birth and renewal, and while this god is definitely pompous and vain, he's also a great pick for paladins and artist characters. 
Next up is Lyra, the goddess of illusions, and she loves herself some masks and some lies, and a little bit of espionage, maybe. Definitely a perfect choice for any sort of sneaky character. Next up we have Lyra, the goddess of joy, and she is basically every manic pixie dream girl that you've ever seen from an indie movie elevated into godhood, and she's a perfect choice for any sort of bard. Or conflicted college students. You know, you know how indie movies go. Next up is Leviathar, the goddess of pain, and she is essentially just a goddess dominatrix. Could be either super scary or, depending on who you are, kind of kinky. Next up is Maelar, the god of the hunt, who is definitely one of the more tolerable evil gods, shall we say. An absolute great pick for any sort of evil druid character. Next up we have Mask, the god of thieves, and he's basically if you took any generic edgelord rogue character and just elevated them into godhood. Still, a genuinely good pick for any rogue character. Next up is Meliki, the goddess of the forest, and she's basically like an Artemis or any other sort of huntress goddess character. Just picture that and you've pretty much got Meliki figured out. A good choice for any sort of ranger character. Next up is Melil, the god of poetry and song, and if you can't figure it out from their title, they're basically just the bardiest god to ever bard. Next up is Mercule, the god of death, and this is definitely your more run-of-the-mill, skeleton-y, scary, evil type of god of death. Next up is Mistra, the goddess of magic, and her job is to basically control magic and to keep things from getting out of hand and blowing everyone up. Sort of like a deity mixed with a high school chemistry teacher. Next up is Agma, the god of knowledge, and they're basically for bards that are more about spreading, let's say, non-fiction and less mischief. Next up is Savras, the god of divination and fate. This god loves their crystal balls and their scrying, and is perfect for anyone that likes to give off that type of mysterious occult vibe. Next up is Selyun, the goddess of the moon, and her mood will actually change with the cycle of the moon itself. She is honored by different sailors and anyone who finds themselves working out in the ocean. Next up is Shar, the goddess of darkness and loss. She's a shadow weaver knife lady that just loves being dark, and she's perfect for any character that hates the good gods. Next up is Sylvanas, the god of wild nature, and this is pretty much exclusively for druids and anyone who just loves trees. Next up is Sune, the goddess of love and beauty, and she's pretty much just vanity personified. I highly recommend her for any character that wants to put off that type of energy. Next up is Talona, the goddess of disease and poison, and she just loves making people sick and die. Pretty much just for any character that wants to help spread a plague across the land, really. Next up is Talos, the god of storms, and this is kind of just a more evil version of Thor. There's really not much more to say about it. And next up we have another self-explanatory one, Tempest, the god of war. The guy just loves going to war, fighting and going to war. Next up is Torm, the god of courage and self-sacrifice. If you want to play the most stereotypical paladin that you can, this is the god for you. Next up is Timora, the goddess of good fortune, and she is basically just Lady Luck. She favors the bold and the risk-takers. Next up is Tyr, the god of justice, and this is quite literally just a Viking god of extremely lawful good, and is really only for characters that want to carry that trend of lawful good. Next up is my personal favorite, Umberly, the goddess of the sea, and she is called the Bitch Queen for a reason. She's a spiteful sea witch that's perfect for any kind of evil or sea-themed character. 
And finally, we have Joaquin, the goddess of trade, otherwise known as the Golden Lady. She is an absolute favorite among smugglers and is pretty much the embodiment of laissez-faire trade. Now let's move on to patron deities. In addition to the main pantheon, there are several deities that act as patron gods to specific races, either acting as progenitors or guardians to that specific race. It's not impossible to worship these deities if you don't belong to that specific race. Just bear in mind that most of the people that worship them will belong to the race that they claim patronage over. First up is Bahamut, the dragon god of good. This is basically just the god of all good dragons, and a lot of people think dragons are cool, so this is a very popular one. Next we have Blibdilpoop, the Kwatao goddess, and this is a giant lobster head lady that was created out of the insane power from the Kwatao. Next we have Corellon Lorathian, the elf deity of art and magic. This is the creator of all elves and is practically a Mary Sue of good elf qualities. Next we have Deep Shashalis, the elf god of the sea. This is the maker of the sea elves and everything pretty under the water. Next we have Adro, the merfolk deity of the sea, and they're pretty much just concerned with keeping their creations, the merfolk, safe. Next up is Garl Glittergold, the gnome god of trickery and wiles. This gnome god is all about pranking and, unlike a lot of people that partake in that art, is not very mean-spirited about it. Next up is Grolantar, the hill giant of war, and if you've ever been attacked by giants, this guy is probably why, as he hates everything that's non-giant. Next up is Grumsh, the orc god of storms and war, and this god is responsible for a lot of the tendencies behind the orc's ways, specifically things like hating elves. Next up is Krugek, the bugbear god of violence, and this god pretty much could be summed up by loving bugbears and loving combat. Next we have Kurtulmek, the kobold god of mining and war, and this guy is basically the creator of the kobolds and the hater of the gnomes. Next we have Laugzed, the troglodyte god of hunger, and he is literally just a giant lizard-like creature that exists to just be hungry all the time. Next up is Louth, the drow goddess of spiders, and this spider queen has a lot of history with D&D, and even more history with slavery, spiders, and sacrifices. Next up is Maglabiet, the goblinoid god of war, and he enjoys very little else other than beheading people for sacrifices. Next up is Moradin, the dwarf god of creation, the creator of the dwarves, and is basically the embodiment of everything you know about dwarves ten times over. Next up is Simonia, the lizard folk god of survival, and this god is kind of just a big lizardman who's almost stupidly neutral and cares for very little else aside from the bare minimum survival of the lizard folk. Next we have Skerret, the centaur god of nature, and this big centaur cares for very little else other than keeping the balance and making sure nature communities stay safe. Next up is Skareus Stonebones, the god of stone giants and art. They literally believe that every piece of stone on the planet belongs to the stone giants, and you can imagine how this would eventually cause some conflict. Next up is Surtur, the god of fire giants and craft, and this big old fire giant loves purifying things with fire, and wants to arm all of his people for what he calls the fight at the end of the world. Next up we have Thrym, the god of frost giants and strength, and this big old ice giant doesn't give a damn about anything else aside from strength. It is the only thing that they respect. Next we have Tiamat, the dragon goddess of evil, and this is by far the most iconic deity inside of D&D. This five-headed dragon is worshipped by the evil dragons in the game and everyone that thinks evil dragons are really cool. 
And finally, we have Yandala, the halfling goddess of fertility and protection. And unlike a lot of deities on this list, she created the halflings and actually has a full intent on protecting them. So as you can see, the list of Dungeons & Dragons deities is nothing short of extensive. And though we've only really scratched the surface about what they are like in this video, I highly encourage you to do your own research into the ones that interest you the most so that you can best flesh out your character in a much more intimate, lore-based fashion. Thank you so much for watching this video. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe. We put out new videos like this all the time. As always, my name is Patrick Ferguson, and until next time, farewell. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe so you never miss out.